is I want you to think about something that you are passionate about, something that you desire. It might be sports, might be music, you like music, it might be um, video games, might be, uh, I'm not sure what it might be for you, but think of something that you desire, something that you're passionate about. Um, but, but, you know, when we think about all these things, we, we all have different desires and different passions, but there's a few things that every single one of us desire. And there's one thing that I would say is arguably one of the strongest desires that we have. And I want us to talk about that, what that is. But what's interesting is that this desire, although it may be the strongest desire that we have, it's the hardest thing to give. And um, the desire that I'm talking about is also the word, the four-letter word that I'm talking about. And that word is love. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about what you say you love and what you mean when you say you love something. Because I believe that as, uh, as believers, a lot of times we have a tendency to take this word and twist it into something um, that it's not. And so I want you to think about that. Um, and so, again, in 1 John chapter 3, we're going to jump in there in just a second. But I want to illustrate it this way. You know, in talking about love and how much of a desire that we have, I want you to think about. Because we, we, we all have a desire to be loved. There's a theologian, a young theologian, I should say, that uh, many of you are probably familiar with. And this is what he writes about love. He says, as long as you love me, we could be starving. We could be homeless. We could be broke. As long as you love me, I'll be your platinum. I'll be your silver. I'll be your gold. As long as you love me, as long as you love me. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. As crazy as it is to think about, there's actually a lot of truth to this song. Think about what you have gone through maybe to maybe get somebody to love you, or if you've ever had a hard breakup and you know the feeling, you're, just, you're not hungry, you don't have an appetite, think about the desire. Think about the desire. Think about how much people want to be loved. Think about, you know, um, back in the high school days, what people would do for attention, which honestly is rooted in a desire to be loved. See, people do crazy things to get attention. Uh, I was having a conversation with uh, some people the other night, well, actually it was last night, about what people do to gain popularity. And in high school and in middle school, the drastic measures that people take so that they have acceptance, which at the end, at the end of the day, what they're longing for is they're longing for love. We all have that desire. And if this is one of the strongest desires that humans have, then as believers, if we have the answer, if the answer truly is love, we've got to make sure that what we're communicating as a message of love is the right message because a lot of times what we communicate is not love at all, but it's something very much different than love. And so the thing that we desire the most, or one of those things, again, love is one of the hardest things to give. And when we don't give love correctly, we send a message that's incorrect about the love that people desire. So again, thinking about the fact that 
if we are believers and we're called to love people, we've got to be careful how we use that word and how we treat that word because, again, we are trying uh, to reach people. And so I think there's a few reasons why it's hard to give love, and I want to give you a few of those. I think it's hard to give love because many people uh, have, have never experienced it. I want you to think about that. It's hard to give something that you've never experienced that you don't know much about, which is kind of the, uh, uh, the second one of, of really not knowing. You know, it's hard to give love when you don't fully know what love is. You haven't experienced it. But then some people, it's hard for them to give love because they're scared, because it's a big step. Maybe because you actually do understand what love is, and so you don't want to go fully that direction to fully love somebody. I think there's several things that we could say as to why we don't love people, but I want us to jump into chapter 3 of 1 John and to try and quickly walk through some of these verses and just to see what God's word has to say. So again, the book of 1 John, it's written, it's, it's written to believers. And so when John is writing this, he's writing this to Christians. And so let's start in verse 10. We're going to go through probably verse 18. But starting verse 10, it says this, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Now, verse 10 summarizes what we've been talking about the past two weeks. Two families. We've got God's family. We've got Satan's family. And it says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. So there's two characteristics that John points out in this verse that says, if you're in God's family, these are things that should be a part of your life. That means you should live a righteous life, which doesn't mean that you'll be perfect. It doesn't mean that you won't fall. It doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. But it means that you are headed in the direction of following Jesus and doing the right thing. So that's the first characteristic of being in God's family. Second is this. It says righteousness, uh, but it also says love his brother. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. So what that's saying is that if you are, then you are of God. And then he who does not, it says, nor is he who does not love his brother. So two things, righteousness and loving your brother. What, what John is talking about here is he's, he's talking about Christians. But as we talk about love, we need to have the idea that it's not just that we love fellow believers, but that we love everybody. So in verse 10, what we see here is that, and I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. And if this is the only thing that you get, tonight, get this, it's not that profound, it's very simple, but loved people love people. Loved people love people. We talked about in in verse 1 of chapter 3, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. If you're a child of God, then you have experienced that. You are a loved people. So your response is that you love people. But many times, What we call love is not love at all. At the end of the day, many of us aren't loving people. But what what verse 10 points us to is the fact that love people loved people. Verse 11 continues this on. It says, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, that we as believers, we are called to love people. Again, loved people, love people. John 15, verse 12, the first part of it says this, this is my commandment to you. This is Jesus talking in John 15. This is my commandment to you that you love 
one another. Nobody would argue the fact that Christians are called to love people. Yet we wonder, why is it that in in an age like today, why is it that the message of Christ is not received by the people who are desiring the one thing that we have to give? Now, we see that the world will oppose Christians, the world will oppose the church, but the reality is is that we have the answer to what people are longing for, yet so many times we don't communicate that. We don't communicate the message of love, the message of love that Jesus has to offer, and in reality, we do a pretty terrible job of loving people sometimes. We do a terrible job of loving our own people sometimes. When we have a brother or sister in the faith that falls, many times, what do we do? We talk about them behind their back. back. Did you hear what so-and-so did? Maybe we talk about it. There's not a lot of grace that's offered to them. This may not happen in your life, but that happens all the time in churches. Again, sending a message that the world is hearing And the message that we should be sending is a message of love. And so we've got to ask questions. We've got to say, why is there an absence of love in the church? Got to make it personal. Why is there an absence of love in my own life? And as I said, I kind of already walked through some of these things. But but again, maybe some of us don't know how to love. What does it really mean to love somebody? I want you to think about that. How would you answer that question? How would you answer that question? Just think about that. You know, some of us, maybe we don't understand how to love. Some of us honestly just have a different perception, a wrong perception of what love is. A lot of times when we think of love, we think of the warm fuzzies that we get. Is that really love? Is that the deepest form of love? If it's not, then what is? What's the deepest form? Think about these things, and I want us to kind of address some of these you know, maybe it's not that we don't know how, but, but again, like I said, we're scared. Or maybe we don't truly know love. We don't truly know love well. And so there's a few things that I want to address tonight. I want us to ask the question, what is love? And I want us to ask the question, how do we love people? And so those are the questions. That's really where we're going tonight. We want to look at those And verse 12 helps us out. John is writing, and he tells us what not to do. Look at this. Don't do this. And let's actually start in verse 11. He says, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And then he says, but don't do it like this. Verse 12, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother, And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. So I want you to go old school, Sunday school. Back in the day with the felt board, you got the Sunday school lesson, and they're putting the little people on the felt board. We've got Cain and Abel. In Genesis chapter 4, we see this story. They're two brothers, sons of Adam and Eve. Cain works the ground. He works with crops and vegetables. Abel is is more of the animal farmer. Both of them give an offering. They offer uh, offer a sacrifice to God. We know this story. Abel offers a sacrifice that's an animal sacrifice. He killed an animal. Blood was shed. That That was his sacrifice to God. Cain, on the other hand, took some of his vegetables 
or whatever he was growing, and he offered those as a sacrifice to God. God accepted Abel's offering, his blood sacrifice. God did not accept Cain's offering. God doesn't like vegetables. I'm just kidding. That's not what that passage is about. But here's the thing. We actually got to go back a little bit to fully understand this. Genesis chapter 3, we know that Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. And when they sinned, what did they do? They went and hid themselves. They also did something else. They made clothes. Those clothes were made out of, does anybody know? Fig leaves. They covered themselves with something that grew from the ground. Okay, get this. God comes into the garden. He talks to them. They talk back. What ends up happening after this long conversation, God actually clothes them with animal skins. A sacrifice. An animal sacrifice. Blood was shed so that Adam and Eve could be clothed. And and so when you understand the idea that God was actually the first one that made a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, he sacrificed an animal so that he could clothe Adam and Eve, and it set the standard of what a sacrifice should look like. And so when Abel is offering his sacrifice, he is modeling the sacrifice that God made so that Adam and Eve could have clothes of animal skins. It was a blood sacrifice. Yet when Abel excuse me, when Cain offered his, it was not a blood sacrifice. It wasn't accepted by God. And so what did Cain do? Well, he got envious. He got jealous. I want you to think about this. Picture these two brothers in a field. Cain sees that God accepted Abel's sacrifice. And he starts to get envious. Have you ever gotten envious before? Maybe somebody got something that you wanted. Think about Cain here. He sees the response that God has to Abel's sacrifice, and he starts to get jealous. The pride in his heart starts to well up. It gets bigger. This is his brother, his brother. And it gets so far, so out of hand, that we see that he kills his brother. It's almost as if Cain gives God the finger and says, God, you want a blood sacrifice? I'll give you a blood sacrifice, and he kills his brother. And we see that what Cain did was very wrong. And John, in verse 12, says, do not love like this. And you may be sitting here thinking, I think it's pretty easy not to love the way Cain did. But I want us to stop. Let's pause. Let's think about this. Because, again, what was it that started Cain in the direction that led to him killing his brother. We see that um, in in the New Testament, we see Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. It says this, You've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But look at verse 22, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. See, Jesus... When he comes on the scene, he takes things to a a whole nother level. See, people had the idea that, oh, just the actions. All I have to do is make sure that I don't commit the act of murder. But Jesus says, no, 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 I'm concerned about your heart. He says, if you have anger in your heart towards your brother without cause, we could also talk about envy. We could talk about jealousy, these things that create these, these emotions, honestly, that lead to hate. Everybody raise your hand. 
How many of you have ever struggled with being envious? Me too. Y'all can put your hand down. I've struggled with that. We got two hands in the back. Both hands. I, I like to take notes on my phone. Sometimes when God speaks to me about something, I like to put my thoughts in there just so that I can always reference back. And I was looking back today at some things that I had written down. And um, I saw in my notes, it was probably from about a year ago. And some of these notes are, are two, three years old. But I saw about a year ago that I wrote something down because I was very, very convicted. And I had seen something on social media. This was a friend of mine. Uh, a friend of mine that I dearly love that's had a great impact on me, and, and he's a preacher. And I saw some things that were being said about him, and honestly, this envy, this jealousy started welling up in my heart. Me thinking, hey, why don't I have that? Uh, why am I not getting praised? I, I want that. Honestly, there was, there was, there was this, I, I wouldn't want to use the word hate, but there's this enviness, this jealousy that honestly goes right along with hate. And at that moment, I realized, Madison, you, you are not loving your brother. I think a lot of times we find ourselves in that position. Because, see, I would say, man, I love that guy. I love him. But deep down, when those kind of emotions rise up, I, I, I didn't really love him at that moment. And a lot of us, you know, maybe it doesn't happen all the time, but there's these moments of enviness, of jealousy, where on the outside, we've got a smile, but on the inside, we've got the heart of Cain, the enviness, the jealousy. And what we see is that this is not of God. Angela and I were watching Amazing Race the other night. Anybody watch Amazing Race? Nobody. We got one, two. If you, we, can, we can create a Facebook group and go watch Amazing Race. Anyways, we, we, we watch The Amazing Race. We like to pretend, hey, what if we were on The Amazing Race? What would we do? Which obstacle would we take? And the other night, we were watching, and, um, and a couple got engaged. And it was this, this great moment, you know, every girl's dream or not a dream to be engaged on TV, some of you. Anyways, so this moment is taking place. And um, some people are crying. This one guy in the back is crying. And so first off, it's like, all right, man up, dude. It's okay. It's going to be all right. And so the host of the show, he's like, hey, man, I see some tears back there. What's going on? And this guy, the answer that he gives, he says, I want that or something to that effect. He, he didn't say, oh, I'm just, I'm so happy for them this moment. I'm thankful that they have found love. He says, no, 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 I want that. And he took this, this moment of this couple, he robbed it, honestly, and he took all the attention and said, me, 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 why don't I have that? I've been looking for that. I want that. And honestly, that's where a lot of us are at. When we look at social media, when we hear about different things that are going on in different people's lives, and these emotions well up, it's like, well, wait, what about me? What about me? I deserve that. I deserve the attention. God, why not me? You see, we tend to struggle with these things. And in verse 12, what John is saying is this is not how you love people. This is not how you love people. 
And he talks about how this is actually hate. If you continue to read in verse 13, he kind of turns a corner. He says, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. Here's the idea. It's the idea that love, the, the love that comes from God, from the people of God, hate from the world opposes that. Those who are not a people of God are going to oppose the people of God. So he's telling the believers here, listen, don't be surprised when the world hates you. Don't be surprised when the world hates you. But if we're honest, sometimes it's not the world that's, that's hating Christians. It's that other Christians are hating Christians. Just like what we talked about, the enviness that rises up. And when a world looks at Christians who treat Christians with hate, what kind of message does that send about the God that they serve? What kind of message does that send about the love that Jesus has to offer? If we continue to look in verse 14, it says this, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that, that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Again, this reiterates the point that loved people love people. Verse 14, it shows us that if you are loving people, if you have love for God's people, again, this is a fruit of salvation. It points to a healthy relationship with Christ. But verse 15 says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you, do, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So honestly, we've got to evaluate our heart and evaluate our life. And we've got to ask ourselves, am I really loving people? But we still haven't answered the question of what is that love? What is love? What does it look like? And I think the key to this answer is found in verse 16. Let's look at this. By this... We know love, and we've got to pay attention to what he's about to say. By this, we know love, because he laid down his life for us. I want you to read that again. By this, we know love, because he laid down his life for love. If you want to know what love is, you cannot find the answer to it unless you look to Jesus Christ and you look to his sacrifice. You see, the desire, the deep desire that we talked about that everybody has, everybody is looking for that. Everybody is looking where they can find that love and that satisfaction. Some would look to, to drugs to feel the, the, the whole, the satisfaction that honestly only love can fill. Some would look to a guy. Some would look to a girl. Some would look to a friend, but honestly, that love can only be fulfilled by experiencing the love that Jesus has to offer. So if we want to understand what love is, all we have to do is look at what Jesus has done. And I want you to think about that. Think about what Jesus has done. We talked about it the last two weeks. He's bestowed an amount of love on us so that we could go from being an enemy to be in the family. This is what that love looks like. Think about the life that Jesus lived. I think that to answer what is love in one word, this is what I would say. I think this is important. If someone were to ask me in one word, what is love? This is what I would say. I would say that love is love sacrifice. I want you to think about that. 
Go back to verse 16 and think about this. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. John 15 verse 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. 1 John 4.10 says, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So what is love? Love is sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed his life so that you could have life. He laid down his life so that you could go from being dead to having life. Love is sacrifice. So what is love? Love is sacrifice. So the next question, how do we love? Well, let's continue to look at verse 16. So he says this, and, and this we, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So how do we love? If somebody said, Madison, how would you answer that in one word? I would say a sacrifice. So if love is sacrifice, and if we love people by sacrificing, we've got to ask ourselves, am I really loving people? See, a lot of us, if we ask, hey, do you love people? We'd say, absolutely. We'd say, you know, do you love God? Absolutely. But when we look at Jesus's life, Jesus didn't just say, hey, I love you, and that was it. There was actually some actions that were involved. He sacrificed his life. He laid down his life. And so when we say that we love people, we've got to ask ourselves, am I sacrificing for people? Do I really love people? There's a quote that I was reading uh, today, and and to basically summarize the quote, uh, this this theologian, he, he said that a lot of us, we love humanity with, a, with, with the big H. We, we love everybody. But in saying that we love everybody, we actually don't love anybody. Because there is no sacrifice involved. You know, if you think about this church, if you, ask yourself, do you really love this church? Or if you go to another church, do you really love your church? Is there sacrifice involved in that? Because if not, well, what kind of love are you talking about? Are you just saying that you like them? Because when Jesus talks about love, he's talking about the fact that he sacrificed everything. That's what his love looked like. When we talk about love in a marriage, we can go to Ephesians chapter 5. And the marriage is the picture of Christ's love for the church where Jesus lays down everything. He sacrifices everything. Why? Because he loves the church. And what is the church to do in a response to that? To surrender and to sacrifice everything. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present yourselves or your bodies a living sacrifice. We've got to ask ourselves, as believers, If we are going to love this world, are we just going to say that we love it? Or are we going to actually sacrifice ourselves for it? And I'm not talking about dying, but honestly, it might come down to that. Because if we look at the world that we live in, we see that that takes place. It takes place in other countries. Are you willing, if God so called you, to go to another country so that people could hear about the love of Jesus? Would you be willing to sacrifice it all? 
if Jesus asks that of you? Because he's asked people to do that before. He might ask you, are you willing to give up everything for him? See, a lot of us would say, yeah, maybe I could. Maybe I would be willing to die for Jesus. But honestly, a lot of us aren't willing to live for him. Are you willing to be a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice is the person that gives up everything, surrenders everything. They are alive, but they have died to themselves. They have died to their desires. And in so doing, they have surrendered everything to God. And, And when they look towards people to love them, there's this sacrifice and surrender and service so that that love can be showed to other people. Verse 17 is a practical, uh, kind of a practical application of what this looks like. John says this, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? You see, a lot of us might walk down the road and see somebody that's down on their luck or that's hurting and would say, oh, I love that person. Why do you love that person? Well, I'm a Christian. I'm called to love people. But at the end of the day, If there's no sacrifice involved, can we really say that we are loving people? Verse 18 reiterates this. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue. Pause right there. A lot of us, if we're honest, and this includes me, we do a lot of loving with just our words, saying that we love people. But what John says, what God says through John is this. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In deed and in truth involves sacrifice. So what is love? One word, sacrifice. Sacrifice of Jesus. And how do we love people? We sacrifice. See, love is the essence of sacrifice demonstrated by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the truest form of love there is. You can find no other greater love than in Jesus Christ. You can search the world. You can look everywhere. You will never find a greater love than that. And Jesus says, love people the way that I've loved you. So what he says is the greatest form of love that there is, the love that I have for you, now you go and love people that way. See, I think we've taken this word love, and I think we've twisted it. Here's the danger in that, because if the world, if its deepest greatest desire. And when I say world, I'm talking about your friends that don't know Christ, your family members that don't know Christ. If their deepest longing is truly to be loved, and if it's to be loved by the Father, but they don't know that if if that's their deepest desire, then the way that we express love, the way that we talk about love, the way that we demonstrate love is of deep importance. How do we love? See, we follow Jesus' example. We become a living sacrifice. We sacrifice ourselves in surrender to God and in service to others. Loved people love people. We have been tasked 
Tasked is probably not the right word. We have been privileged with joining God in the mission to share his love with the world. The question is, will you join him? 